Dear Dad, After all these years, I've never stopped writing. I still remember many of the letters I've written you, and the moments I wish you could have seen. Dear Daddy, I'm sad you had to leave, but I try real hard to remember that you told me you'll always love me and to write you all the time. I didn't want you to go, but you pulled me close and hugged me tight, and you said that some things are worth fighting for. Dear Daddy, I learned how to roller skate today. You'd be so proud. I fell down sometimes and skinned my knees, so I tried again and again. I was brave just like you. Hey Dad, sorry I haven't ridden in a while. I'm 14 today, can you believe it? Don't worry though, no boyfriends. Mom and I are doing well. Sometimes we get lonely, but it's not too bad. Dear Dad, high school graduation. I really wish you were here today. College is just around the corner. I'm staying close to home though. I figured you'd want me to help keep an eye on Mom. Dear Dad, today I married the man of my dreams. He reminds me of you. He's gentle yet strong. He loves serving me, and he can make me laugh all the time, just like you could. Granddaddy went ahead and walked me down the aisle, said that you'd be proud of me. It was a wonderful day seeing so many friends. We talked about you a lot and how we wished you were here. Oh, Daddy, I love coming to visit you. This time, I brought someone else. Your granddaughter. I tell her about you all the time. We talk about the letters I write you and that maybe she can write you too someday. Yesterday, she told me she'd love to meet you. So I pulled her close, hugged her tight, and told her about how some things in this world are worth fighting for, even dying for. Love always, your daughter. weeks ago, Janie and I were gone because my girls were at the state gymnastics meet. I have the shirt to prove it. And uh, when, when, uh, when my girls compete, everybody in the, in the gym knows those are my girls. I have video camera. And one of the things they do is at the beginning of the meet, they'll introduce each team and they'll tell where they're from. And so they'll, uh, they'll say, you know, GSC and all this stuff. And, and what's weird to me is they'll introduce this team and if it's not the home gym, you hear it's kind of like you're at a golf match. I'm like, what's up with that? Because when they get to Palestine, they say, Gymnastics Training Center from Palestine. I'm like, oh, yeah! And it was funny because the announcer's on the other side of the gym and he goes, oh, yeah, there's a little bit of spirit there. And I'm like, yes. And so the girls come out and they present. And I'm like, those are my girls. My girls are there. 
And then at the, you know, when they're, when they're about to go, they always wait. They always hear, you know, come on, Rach, let's go, Rachel, let's go, Hannah. They know I'm going to say that right before they perform on whatever the elements are. And I'm taking video and Caleb's usually taking pictures and we're just all over the place. Those, that's my family. And I'm, I'm going to support my family. At the end of the meet, at the end of the state meet, the last thing they do after they've given out all the awards and all that stuff is if you move from one level to another, it's called move ups and they give you a certificate. So Rachel moves up two levels, and so here it is, and they say, Rachel Washburn moves from uh, senior level seven to senior level nine. And I was like, oh, yeah! And the guy's like, oh, yeah, there he is again. And I thought it was pretty funny. Um, But I I, I was thinking, what if, what if I didn't want anybody to know who my family members were? What if I was ashamed? I have a bag over my head at a gymnastics meet and I watched through binoculars from way back at the back. Wouldn't you question my loyalty to my family? Yes or no? Okay, okay. Thank you. Well, what's strange to me is that if you think that that me being a secret Rangers fan is pretty weak or if you think that me being ashamed of my family is pretty weak, why do we do that with Christianity? I know a lot of Christians that don't want anybody to know. They're ashamed of the body of Christ. They're ashamed of the bride of Christ. They're ashamed to wear the name of Jesus Christ. And I'm thinking, man, if if we'll celebrate our country because men gave their lives so that we could have freedom, Jesus Christ gave the greatest sacrifice of all so that we could have freedom from our sins. And you don't want to go public with that? That doesn't make sense to me. (laughs) My life is spiritual and it's private and it's personal. Well, yes, it is. My, My relationship with Christ is very personal to me. But God never intended for my my faith in Him to be private only. He wants me to go public. And the number one way that you go public with your belief in Jesus Christ is through baptism. Look what Jesus says in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Now, let me just set the scene. Jesus has already died on the cross. He's already been resurrected. He's already appeared to his disciples over a period of 40 days. This is one of the last things that he says to his followers right before he leaves the planet, before he, his physical or his, his resurrection body, before he leaves the planet. And we're, we're not going to see that again until he comes. Here's what he says. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That means make followers of Christ family members, little Christians, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, I can understand, and I've always very, uh, it's been very easy for me to grasp this idea of, I am a sinner, and I need to become a follower of Christ if I want to have any hope of heaven. But Jesus does three of the five purposes of the New Testament church, three of them are right here. Making disciples, that's evangelism. Baptizing, we know about that. Teaching, that's discipleship. The others are worship and ministry. If you have a healthy church, you emphasize all five of those things. Jesus puts baptism right up there in the big three with evangelism and discipleship. And, and you've got to understand why. In his final words, Jesus says, being baptized is how you declare to everyone that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. So here's the first thing on your listening guide. Baptism is not optional. 
Jesus said, if you know me, if you've asked me to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life, then you need to go public through baptism. And Jesus said later, he said, if you are ashamed of me in this life, haunting words, he said, I will be ashamed of you before my father in the next life. He says, I want you to go public that you are a Christ follower. And the number one way you do that is through baptism. It shows that you are a part of the team, that you're part of the family, and it's not optional. Now, the reason this is so important, the reason it's so important is the symbolism that's behind it. Let me give you some symbolism here. Number two on your listening guide. Baptism declares your faith. It declares your faith. Acts 18.8. Many other people in Corinth heard the message, believed, and were baptized. And by the way, that order is very, very important. First, they heard the message. You got to hear it before you can ever comprehend it and understand it. It says, then they believed. That gave more than just uh, mental assent that, oh, yeah, I believe this Jesus is a real guy. I believe he died on the cross. There has to be some way that you receive that. And then you're baptized. That's the order. Um, baptism is like putting on the team uniform. And, and you know, this is this was my state shirt and, and all my family's wearing the state shirt today to, to uh, celebrate, you know, our family solidarity. Now... The women in, in our group, when we go to gymnastics meets, this is the ladies' shirt. And I'm grateful to God that I don't have to wear this shirt. There's way too much bling on there for me. Janie wears it every time because my girls' names are on there. But you know what? If one of my girls said, Daddy, it would mean a lot to me if you would wear that shirt, I'll put sucker on it won't bother me. Well, I can't. This is Janie's. I can't put this on physically right now because I'm too muscular. But I would do it in a heartbeat because I would declare to everybody, hey, that's my girl. My girl's name is on here. I don't care if it's pink. I'm going to wear it. Your, your uniform identifies which team you're on. Now, this wedding ring does not make me married. If I lose this wedding ring, I'm still married. It's a good thing because I lost my first one. Lake Palestine. We're on the island. I'd taken it off because I didn't want to lose it. We come out from the island. I gun it. It goes up like this. And the last thing I hear is, tink, tink, ba-dunk. And I went, oh. And Janie said, you lost it, didn't you? And I'm always losing. Now, I haven't lately. But my first wedding ring <laughs> from my first wife, who is, by the way, my present wife, we were moving a, uh, a, a refrigerator. Her brother and I were moving a refrigerator in the her- first house we ever bought. And, and I, I had my hand under there and, and it sat down on it and it made it kind of football shaped. And so it was really very uncomfortable, but I could never get it back to normal shape. And so I, it would bother me and I'd always take it off and I would always do this and hold it, you know, because it gets sweaty and all that stuff. Man, I've dropped that in movie theaters Thanksgiving Day several years ago. It gets a quiet part of the movie, and I've got it here, and I'm just, I'm all into the movie, and next thing I know, I hear, ding, ding, you know, and I'm going, Janie's just shaking her head, here we go again. So, like, all of the family was together, my brothers and my parents, and we're all at the movie, and so after the movie's over, we're waiting on the lights to come up, we're crawling around, we we found that one, uh, which is this one, by the way. Um, I've gotten better, but here's the deal. This ring is merely an outward symbol of an inward commitment that I made. May 25th. 1991, 
I stood before God and, and witnesses and I looked at Janie and I said, I commit myself to you for the rest of my life. That's what made me married, not the ring. So the ring is just an outward symbol of an inward, inward commitment. That's what baptism is. Baptism does not save you. Baptism is merely, I'm going public with my faith in Christ. I'm going public with the fact that I know I'm a sinner and without Christ, I have no hope of heaven. And it's saying, I'm not ashamed to tell the world what's happened to me. I've given my life to Christ. And I heard this pastor telling the story one time that, that after a sermon and, and a, a baptism service, a little boy walked up to him and he said, um, sir, when can I get advertised? And the pastor started to correct him and they thought, no, that'll preach. That's good. Because baptism is merely advertising that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and I'm not ashamed to be his follower. Now look what it says in 1 John 2, 3. We can be sure that we know God if we obey his commands. Okay, so how do you prove that you are a Christian? You obey what Jesus said and one of his first commands, you do the things he told you, one of his first commands before he left this earth to go back to be with his father was be baptized. Now, let me just go through a couple of practical things here. We do not baptize infants. If your children are interested, if they start asking questions, we have a book called Now That I'm a Christian. We keep these uh, back in the children's area and we ask you to go through these, these steps with your child because it helps you understand where your child is. It helps me know if they've grasped it because I always go through this little talk when I talk to children and... Uh, and I talk about we're on this side and, and God's on this side and he loves us. But when we sin, it's, this, this, un, uh, it's this, this bottomless pit that you can't get across. And one time I was talking to a little five-year-old boy and he goes, well, I could get across. I have a jetpack, and I just go and I get over to God. And, and so I said, okay, we're done. And I talked to his parents. I said, he's not ready. He doesn't understand because we believe that you've got to understand that you're a sinner. You've got to be mature enough to ask God to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. You've got to be mature enough to understand that baptism doesn't save you. It's just a, a, a symbol of your commitment, but it is an act of obedience. You've got to be mature enough to understand all of that stuff. So every baptism in the Bible happened after someone became a follower of Christ. So we don't baptize children. Now we dedicate, and we have a, a baby dedication. All that says is as a church, we're partnering with the parents to do everything we can to raise these kids up to someday give their lives to Christ. So you understand, it, it was only people who were mature enough to understand that who uh, got to be baptized. Now, last week we talked about salvation. All right, here we go, Brad. I warned him. All right, the, right there about where Chad is. All right, Brad has played a little basketball. I know, I know. <laughs> we're, 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 no pressure, yeah, no pressure. We're going to see. Now, last week we talked about salvation. The only way to get into the family of God is to admit that you're a sinner and you need to be saved from those sins and you can't save yourself. Now, the definition of sin, yeah, we're protecting. Um, by the way, Caleb, come up here. Come up there. Drew, come up there, just, you know. I don't think Brad's that bad, but you never know um, what may happen. We're just kind of protecting the stuff. Now, here's what sin... <laughs> yeah, he's going to go dunk it. Sin actually means to miss the mark. So really, you've got two ways that you can get into heaven. One way is to be perfect. Never miss a shot. And you can go to heaven. Never have any bad thoughts. Never say any bad words. No bad attitudes. Nothing. If you're perfect... You can go to heaven. 
All right, we're going to put a little pressure on Brad here. Heaven or hell is in the balance right here on this shot. All right, Brad, let's see what you got, man. He played ball in, in college, but he played with a real size ball. All right, here you go. He's in heaven now, but uh, we're going to see how long he stays in heaven. All right, back up. That's too easy. Back up, back up. We're going to make it harder. Oh, he's going, he's going. Somebody's going to have to block. Oh! You're going to hell, Brett. Not really. Um, it's not like that. But here's the thing. You have to be perfect. That's good, guys. Thanks. You have to be perfect. One miss. And the Bible says that you will not go to heaven because heaven is a perfect place and only perfect people can be there. So if you are not perfect in everything, make every shot. Or if you're in baseball, hit the ball every time. Do you know who is, who's the most famous and uh, at least of our generation, the best basketball player of our generation? Michael Jordan. Does anybody know? You don't know. But just guess what his free throw... Free throws! How hard is a free throw? You know what his, his career percentage was? Close, 83. Do you know how many he missed in his career? That's a good guess. 1,445. All right, currently pr- playing. Who are the two best players currently playing? One of them still in Steve Nash. Kobe's still playing, and, and LeBron wishes he was still in the playoffs, but um, he's not. What do you think Kobe's career free throw percentage is? 83%. Kobe has missed 1,265 free throws in his brief career. LeBron's only been, this is bad, LeBron's only been around five seasons, five or six seasons, maybe seven, I don't know. It looked like five on the stat sheet. LeBron is 74%, so he misses one, he misses 25% of his free throws. In his short career, he's already missed 1,267 free throws. He's going to hell. Not really. I mean that, but you understand what I'm saying. If you're not perfect, the Bible says that you're going to hell. Now, the cool thing is that if you know Jesus, he makes up the difference. Here's what Jesus can do for your basketball life. Basketball. Such a simple game, really. The ball goes in the hoop. All the girlies say I'm pretty fly. Oh, my God. He needs some cool tunes, not just any rules to fight. But they didn't have ice cubes, so he bought vanilla ice. So, take
I'd only known Jesus when I was in high school. I could still be playing in the NBA. Actually, that was a lot of fun shooting that video. It didn't take as many tries as we thought it would, but we had a good time. I got some moves, yeah, in fast motion. That was actually very slow. He had to speed it up. Um, Every baptism in the Bible was after someone realized that I'm not perfect. I need a Savior. And they asked Christ to be the forgiver of the sins and the leader of their lives. But here's the thing. The baptisms were also immediate. Um, On the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached the first sermon of the church, 3,000 people were baptized that day after they had believed. That's a cool baptism service. Their arms got tired. There were only 11 followers of Jesus at that time. It took them a while to baptize everybody. That'd be a great service to be at. In Acts chapter 8, an Ethiopian leader is, is riding along in his chariot, reading his Bible, and one of Jesus' followers goes up to him and explains what he's reading. He becomes a, a follower riding in the chariot, and then he says, look, there's water. Can I be baptized? Immediately after he believed in, in Jesus Christ as his forgiver and leader, he was baptized. Later in the book of Acts, Paul and Silas are in jail. If you, if you read any of that in, in uh, I think it's Acts, so oh, it's later than eight. But um, they're in jail and there's this earthquake at midnight and they're freed and the jailer is going to kill himself because back then if you let any of your prisoners go free, then you could be, your life was given in exchange for theirs. He was about to kill himself. And Paul says, no, 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 don't do anything. We're still here. Then he tells the jailer about Jesus Christ. The jailer gets saved, gives his life to Christ takes them home, bandages up all of their wounds. His whole family in the middle of the night, at midnight, his whole family gets saved and they go get baptized in the middle of the night. In the New Testament, there was no such thing as delayed baptism. It was not optional. Every person who was baptized knew that they were declaring their faith in Jesus Christ. (coughs) Baptism is this physical um, picture of a spiritual truth that's happened inside of you. But here's the also thing. Uh, uh, Here's also the thing. Baptism is also a physical picture of a physical reality. This is the next one on your listening guide. Number three, baptism shares Christ's burial and resurrection. Every time you are baptized or somebody is baptized, you are preaching a sermon that Jesus Christ was a very real person who died on a very real cross, who was put in a very literal real tomb, who rose again from the dead. Never to die again. Look what 1 Corinthians 15, 3 says. Christ died for our sins. He was buried and three days later he was raised. So this literal Jesus, when you are baptized, you are giving a picture to everybody who's around that you are following this literal Jesus. Colossians 2, 12 says, when you were baptized, it was this, the same as being buried with Christ. Then you were raised to life because you had faith in the power of God who raised Christ from the death, from death. Going under is where you say, I am identifying with Jesus Christ's death. He died and he was laid in a tomb. When you come up, you're saying, I'm being raised to follow him. I have a new life in Jesus Christ and I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to be like him, trying to obey him and telling others about this wonderful new life that I've found. So we do this by immersion. At New Life, we do it by immersion because it's the, it's the closest picture we have. It's the closest drama we have of a death, burial, and resurrection. So when you are baptized, it's done by immersion. Now, the idea of sprinkling was, was never found in the Scripture. You can't find that in the Scripture. It didn't start until hundreds of years after Jesus walked the earth and after the first church. Um, Jesus was baptized by immersion by, by the Apostle John, or, or by John the Baptist. 
And then he commanded people to be uh, baptized. And the, the actual term baptism means to dip under. So every baptism in the New Testament was, was done by immersion. And, and so a lot of people are going to ask, well, um, what if I've already been baptized? What if I've been sprinkled? If you've been sprinkled, great. But if you've, been, if you've already been baptized, let me ask you three questions, three things for you to consider today. Number one, were you baptized before or after you were mature enough to understand that you needed a forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life? If it was before that time, you were not a Christ follower and you just got wet. Nothing wrong with being dunked. I've done it a bunch of times. I've been dunked a bunch of times, but you just got wet. That's not what Jesus commanded. Second question, was the baptism by immersion? I'm not saying your baptism didn't take. Don't read into my words implying, you know, things that I'm not saying here. Oh, he thinks my baptism doesn't take. He, th- he has bad thoughts about my church. He's speaking bad about my background. No, I'm not. Here's, here's all I'm doing today. I've baptized tons of folks who were sprinkled. All I'm saying is I'm challenging you to follow the way Jesus was baptized to read the scripture and and be baptized the same way folks in the scripture were baptized. That's all I'm saying. Not that you're a bad person or their church was bad. The way we do things here is through immersion because we said from the beginning, if the Bible says it, we're going to do it. If the Bible doesn't say it, we're going to pray about wisdom and and try to figure things out. We try to move on a case-by-case basis, and this seems like a very straightforward case. Baptism in the New Testament was by immersion. And if you want to talk further about that, I would be happy to talk to you further about that. Um, third question is, do you want to celebrate a renewal of some uh, spiritual relationship with Christ, a, v- a renewal of your relationship with Christ? Some people ask, is it, is it a sin to be baptized more than once? And my first response is, do you take communion more than once? The Lord's Supper. Sure. It's not a sin to be baptized. Now, the Bible only says uh, you, you need to be baptized once. It's not a sin to be baptized more than that. I've had situations where folks have been far from Christ and when they came back and they said, I'm driving a stake in the ground and and I want to be baptized and celebrate my new life and they tell everybody and they have this big old party when we do baptisms. That's that's an indication. I would be all for that. That's a situation I would say, sure, be baptized again just to, to drive down that stake. You don't have to be if you've already been baptized once by immersion. But I've also seen situations where a husband or a wife gets right with God and they're baptized, biblically baptized, and then their spouse some, somewhere down the road, they decide to really get serious about Christ, and then the husband and wife get baptized together. I'm all for that. <laughs> you only have to do it once, and I'm going to tell you this. It's my dream to go to the Holy Land someday. And if I ever get to go to the Jordan River, I'm going to be baptized, even if it's self-baptism. Nobody else going to water. I'm going to go jump in. Baptize me in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I don't know who's pulling me up, but I'm going to do that because I want to be baptized where Jesus was baptized. There's nothing wrong with being baptized multiple times, but you don't have to be if you've done it once biblically. All right, number four. It celebrates your inclusion in God's family. There are... I started to say five birthdays. There's actually seven birthdays that I keep up with every year. My immediate family and my mom and my dad. Caleb was born January 27th, 1995. Rachel was born May 3rd, 1997. Hannah was born January 8th, 2000. Janie was born December 7th, 1968. 
I was born uh, August 23rd, 1964. My dad was born May 31st. That's tomorrow. I'll be calling him first thing in the morning, 1922. And my mom was born on May, uh, March 1st, 1926. Other than that, I ain't remembering your birthday, okay? You want me to remember your birthday, you got to send me a note or a text on that day. Wish me a happy birthday. I'll say, happy birthday. I'll call you and sing to you. But you got to tell me that day. We celebrated our house birthdays. We have a big time. We have a special plate, and it says special plate. <laughs> and you get to eat off of that special plate on your birthday. A baptism is a spiritual celebration of your spiritual birthday. You need two birthdays. If you hadn't had the physical birthday, you're not listening to me right now. Everybody been born? Everybody had a birthday? Okay. So you qualify first birthday, but you need a second birthday in order to be a part of God's spiritual family. Look at the first Corinthians 12, 13. Each of us is a part of one body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves and some are free. But the Holy Spirit has fitted us all together into one body. We've been baptized into Christ's body by the one spirit and have all been given that same Holy Spirit. Every human being was created by God. But not every human being is a child of God. You join the human race by being born physically. You join God's spiritual family by asking God to adopt you into that family. Do you see the difference? So you've got a physical birth, but only people who choose to have the second spiritual birth in Christ. You don't do anything to deserve it. We don't deserve it because all of us are going to miss at least one shot in our lives, right? You may have one negative thought in your life. You're a saint, but you're going to hell unless you come through Jesus Christ. Once you come through Christ, you're baptized. And then, then Christ tells us that he wants us to be a member of a local church. There's no such thing as, as, as orphan Christians, as Lone Ranger Christians in the New Testament. You join his spiritual family. He wants you to get joined to a, uh, a local church because that's where you begin to love real people. Do you remember what Jesus told his followers? He said, here's how people will know you are my representatives. You are my followers. It's by your love for one another. It's not by your buildings. It's not by your programs. It's not by your worship team. It's not by any of that. He said, people will know that you're my followers by your incredible love for one another. The only place you can love people is up close. And see, we talk about this all the time. You can worship in this crowd. You can worship together, but we can't fellowship together in this crowd. We can't sit down and just talk one-on-one in this crowd. You know where we do that? Small groups. My heart breaks for people who don't have small groups. My small group this last year was incredible. It breaks my heart that tonight's the last party. I mean, we're going to have some parties through the summer, but... We learned some things. I've known Dwayne and Angela for 15 years. But I've not known them like I do now until this last six, seven months. And Angela even says, she said, I'm not one that opens up. And she shared in small group. And every time she would share, or Dwayne would share, or, or anybody else would share in the group, I'm, I'm actually sitting there going, this is a holy moment. This is what fellowship is. And it's one of the purposes of the church. So when you're baptized, you're declaring, I'm following Jesus Christ. But you're also saying, I'm part of a family of believers. And just out of curiosity, anybody come from a jacked up physical family? 
Let me just see your hand. Anywhere in your family tree, is there a jacked up person? Yeah, you can all. (laughs) Some of them are in this room. It's okay. Sometimes God gives you, through the church, a new family. I love my brothers. I love my sister, my mom, and my dad. But if I have an immediate emergency, I'm not calling them. I'm calling some brothers and sisters in this church because I have an immediate need. Better, better is a brother. The Bible says better is a brother who's near. A friend who is near than a brother who is far away. I'm going to keep talking about small groups until you all do it. Not because I want to, I care about how many numbers are in our small groups. I care about you and you'll never become the person that God wants you to be until you get in a small group of believers and you talk about spiritual things and you pray together about life and you weep together when, when bad stuff is going on and you rejoice when good stuff happens, when things you've been praying about come about. That's fellowship and that's part of the design of the church. And that's, can you believe all of that is wrapped up in the symbolism of baptism? I'm a follower of Christ. I'm identifying with Him and I'm identifying with His family of believers when I'm baptized. Where's little Jamie? Now, we're going to do a baptism right here to show you that it's not that bad. That there's nothing in this water. And by the way, the water doesn't wash away the sin because it'd kill all the plants outside. We just pump it outside when we're done. If, yeah, I didn't turn the heater on. Yeah, I know. I wanted it to be memorable. Take your watch off. Your wife says. Yeah, he, did you see? He immediately looked for the little heater that we put in for everyone else. And it's not here. It's summer. He lives next door across the parking lot. So. Now, what we do... Turn around. That's not normal, by the way. It's usually warm for people... Yes, for you, any of you, we will warm it. It will be 98 degrees. It's a nice little hot tub when you, when you go down in there. Now, what we do, it's very, very simple. The reason we want to do this today is just show you a picture of what baptism is about. What I, what I do is I'll talk to you before you ever get in the waters because I, I want you to understand. I want to make sure you understand what baptism is. The only thing you ever say at a baptism is I will say, are you a follower of Christ? Or have you asked Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life? Little Jamie? Yes. Have you asked Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life? I have, yes. I wish y'all could see he's gritting his teeth because he's thinking this is going to be really cold. How many of y'all saw the video where we jumped in the water in the winter? This is so much better than that. So So, then I say, because you are a follower of Christ, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Now, if you need to hold your nose, you do that. And then I ask you to put this hand right, right, not, not right there. Hold your nose. Because that's going to help me pull you back up. I need just a little bit of leverage. And by the way, I've baptized... I baptized... You know, stand up. (laughs) We're a close staff here. I baptized... (laughs) Come on over, baby. (laughs) I baptized a 385-pound man one time. Coolest thing ever because this was was in a, a Baptist church and the choir was still up there. And dude said, man, I'm a big guy. And I said, I'll get you up. And when I brought him up, this wave leapt over the front. And it was all of the men. There were several deacons on the back row. They were, I sprinkled them at the same time I baptized the other guy. The greatest baptism ever. 
So we just say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Bend your knees, bend your knees, bend your knees. <laughs> he hates cold water, by the way. I feel so fresh. There you go. Now, all of that. Good job, Jamie. You can sneak out the door if you need to. Or you can wait for this long prayer and we'll turn the air conditioning on. All of that to say, baptism is a picture of what's already happened on the inside of you. And I want you to understand that the reason we emphasize it is not because we just want to count the numbers. It's because it's in here. Jesus Christ was baptized by immersion. He didn't even have to command it. If I'm going to follow him, he's going to be my leader. I'm going to follow the leader. I'm going to be baptized by immersion. But second, he commanded it. Third, it identifies you with the rest of your family. And it preaches a sermon about the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism's a big deal. And some of you need to be baptized.